great, great concern, by the way. And I wouldn't call it fearful. I call it a concern. Okay. Now, okay. here's what I, I challenge people on, especially social media, is that we are called to be ambassadors of God. And yet we often sit back and judge things or never partake in things because of that over-concern. I've learned so much over this first year of podcasting, and I wanted to share with you guys the 10 most life-changing lessons that I've learned this year. So I created a document, and it's on my website. What you're going to do, you're going to go there. It's going to be 10 life-changing lessons. Click on that button. It'll ask for your email address so I can email it to you. Sign up for it because these life lessons radically changed the way I viewed my life and the way I started living. It helped me to get better in the areas that I've so desperately wanted to see progress and growth in. And because I know they helped me, I really believe that they will help you. And I wanted this to be a gift for you guys. So I really hope you enjoy this gift and go to the website, thewholepersonpodcast.com to get it. It's free. And I hope you guys enjoy and learn as much as I did from it. Today, we have an awesome show for you, and I'm really excited about it because we are going to be talking about the role of artificial intelligence, which is also known as AI, and the role that it plays in your life, in my life, in the future of AI, and how it pertains to faith, family, finances, friendship, fitness, and fun. So today, I have a leading expert in the world of artificial intelligence. His name is Michael Matthews. He has over 24 years of experience of of senior level IT executive bringing creative solutions that value to the end users of technology, business, and process management. These solutions have been benefited to the end user in higher education, manufacturing, and high technology companies and products and solutions. So today, Mike holds the position as Chief Information Officer and General Manager of CIO, Chief Strategist Innovation, business development officer, trainer, teacher, and vice president of academic services for leading corporations in higher education at my favorite school in the world, Oral Roberts University, because it's also my alma mater. So, Michael, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Evan, thank you so much. And again, I'm proud of you being a graduate of Oral Roberts University and still appreciating the value of the whole person, body, mind, and spirit that influences not just your family, not just yourself, but a community and the world at large. So it's a delight to be on your show today. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I just wish I recognized it and valued it when I was going through it. <laughs> I didn't until much later in my life. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's, but, that's part of vision. Vision is not just looking forward, it's looking back. So I'm amazed at how many people get into their 30s and they're able to now vision backwards that takes them forwards at the same time. And it's because we are created in the image of God. Remember, he's the Alpha and the Omega beginning and end. He can see all things past, present, future, but he's also given that, us that ability to see all things as they truly are. Absolutely. You know, well, there's a lot I can go just based off of that, but um, I'm, I'm just going to go get right into these questions here because I actually have quite a few. You know, I struggle with technology. I'm okay at it. So I don't fully understand the processes and the elements and stuff like that. And 
you know, when we see artificial intelligence in movies, a lot of times it's, you know, very sci-fi AI is going to take over the world and, you know, it's going to be its own boss and brain and we're all going to be submissive slaves to it. Well, I don't believe that there is this role that like there's this fear of artificial intelligence in the role that it will play in our lives. So my question, I guess, to you is, is how do we want to overcome that fear? But what, what is the role that artificial intelligence will start having in our lives? Wow. You know, Evan, we didn't rehearse anything. You couldn't have teed it up any better for me to describe real, in simple terms what AI is and is not. So artificial intelligence is really augmented intelligence, meaning that it augments who we are, but it's pretty primitive. In fact, all artificial intelligence can do is observe our behavior patterns and remember things so that it improves things. So for instance, if I get my first AI box that I get together called Alexa or Echo, and I say, Green Bay Packers, it remembers that I like the Green Bay Packers more than likely. If I say it another time, it's starting to get convinced I really like the Green Bay Packers. And so all it's doing is watching my behavior patterns. Now, here's the concern. And there's an organization that started two and a half years ago called One Billion Happy. So if you go to onebillionhappy.org, it's a gentleman who worked at Google whose fear is that AI will do nothing more than start observing the hatred, resentment, and behaviors of our modern day mindset and heart set that people carry with them. And so he wants to create 1 billion happy people so that artificial intelligence can start learning what it is to be happy. Now, I applaud the person because it's phenomenal movement and he's probably up to half a billion people already. The problem is happy may not be the right measurement because happy is elusive. Do I have enough money? Do I have enough friends? Do I have enough homes, cars, whatever the case may be? So I don't think happy is the way to go. However, it proves the point that artificial intelligence is that simple, just memorizing who we are. In other words, God already knows by his spirit how Mike behaves to his family, with himself, in the home. And I see AI being somewhat of a preemptive move by saying, start watching how you behave. You are being heard all the time because your voice goes out and doesn't return void. That's a principle God put into place thousands of years ago. So artificial intelligence is doing nothing but catching up to us. Now, people who have a primitive mind will always fear the smartphone. They'll fear Y2K. They'll fear the elections. They'll put all kinds of fears. And especially, I, I, I don't even like saying this, but it's so accurate from what I've seen in life. Midwest people who we would call the Bible Belt are the most paranoid and fearful people in the world. And I can't believe that. They're always fearful. Washington's going to come and take away their guns. Washington's working on some cynical plot. And I said, that is so primitive because it denies the power of God. Because my Bible says, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, greater is he who is within me than those who are in the world. In other words, I've already won the victory. Why? Because I serve a living God. So God is not offended by this technology, but mankind becomes fearful of it. But here's the best news of all. Artificial intelligence can never nor ever will be able to possess faith, hope, and love. It's impossible. So that means the very things that we are supposed to specialize in faith, hope, and love can't be competed against. And that's why I call it augmented intelligence. Now, what does it mean and what's the value of artificial intelligence then? Well, it's real simple. 
Evan, you're married, correct? Yep. And have you and your wife or anybody listening, have you and your wife ever debated about things you forgot to do? Like you were supposed to check on the insurance payment. You were supposed to stop and pick up something for the kids. You forgot. And all of a sudden these debates begin. I will say to my wife, Pam, Pam, you never said that. My wife say, I said it exactly like this. And I'm like, Pam, I'm telling you, you never said that. And so I find it ironic that most marriages, 50% divorce rate inside the church, outside the church, is because of the very routine things in life that we can't remember. God did not give us that kind of memory to just remember everything precisely as my spouse said it, nor does she remember it. So I find it interesting that artificial intelligence in my life can remember all the routine things, but it can never have faith, hope, and love. So imagine a day where hubby and wifey aren't arguing over who said what and who did something wrong, who works harder, who puts more time in with the kids, all petty arguments because AI does the routine of life and allows me to express my heart in a much more favorable manner towards my spouse, but towards my coworkers, towards my employees, towards my boss. And so I see done right, artificial intelligence is one of the greatest assets to the human being in society that we will ever know, but not if we live in fear, no different than smartphones, early days, people are thinking it's evil. People are Y2K desperate to paint a picture that the world's going to end in that way. And it's not, it's not what God says in his word, but we make up these stories all because we don't understand something. So here's a frightening thought, Evan. I, I should have warned you I can talk a lot. So you got, you're going to have to raise your hand and say, hey, hey, hang on, you're going too far. But I find it ironic that people who are supposed to be believers are afraid of so many different things. And according to my Bible in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, it says, all things were created by God and for God and for his pleasure. All things. And we want to be the ones who put a uh, seal of approval on people or things. And that's why Peter, I mean, think of it this way. If you're not Jewish, you are accepted into the kingdom of God merely by a vision that Peter had, which was a rebuke to Peter. Peter. Why are you calling that which I call clean unclean? And he had to acknowledge it, but he needed it three times because he didn't want to accept it the first time. Mm-hmm. And that's why people have dreams three times or different fo- so, formats of that same dream. So let me ask you. Uh, I was, yeah, go ahead. So let me ask you this because I tend to be one of those Bible Belt, not so much fearful but skeptic. Uh, you know, I I do believe that at some point in time that the government's going to try to cease ammo and then regulate guns more. And, you know, not that I'm so much in fear of it, but I just see that going that way towards end times and, um, and losing freedoms of faith or not faith, but losing freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom to defend yourself. Cause we're already seeing this happen right now in our society. So my question becomes, uh, because I, I fit that description so well. Where's the fine line? Because there's, there is things that can be used for good and things that can be used for bad. And I feel like AI, let, let, me, let me ask it this way. I, I'm not so much in fear of AI, but I'm, I'm more skeptic of who controls AI because that's the big issue. You know, Facebook in and of itself isn't evil. 
Twitter isn't evil. YouTube isn't evil. But the censorship that people can make to squash voices is evil. And it's the people that control it. So artificial intelligence, I'm not afraid of trying to control me. But, you know, now I've given Jeff Bezos access to my family by being able to, to hear everything I say or do, which, you know, my iPhone can do that as well. You know, there's things I talk about to my wife that I've never searched. And then all of a sudden I'm being advertised on Facebook. And so where I'm skeptical and what I'm, I don't want to say fearful, but I feel like what, what do I do with this information? Knowing that I am allowing my life to be open to these people and knowing that they are using it in a way that's not, not constitutional or even godly. Correct. Yeah. So great, great concern, by the way, and I wouldn't call it fearful. I call it a concern. Okay. Now here's what I, I challenge people on, especially social media is that we are called to be ambassadors of God. And yet we often sit back and judge things or never partake in things because of that over-concern. So here's an example. I just had my Facebook page in the year 2020 published. I paid about $200 for it, but I wanted to prove a point with it. So my Facebook post add up to 490 full pages in a hard book, um, book now of my life of 2020. In that book, there's not one debate, not one political statement. Why? Because I don't think they matter. I think presidents will come and go. I think the Bible says that the government will be on the shoulders of Jesus, not on Mike Matthews. And yeah. so when primitive people constantly uh, wear themselves out for fear or concern because of what they keep hearing and seeing, it wears them down. And they can't help it. They become the very essence of what they think about all the time. So the Bible is clear when it says, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth will speak. But guard your heart because out of it will flow the issues of life. And so when I published that book, that book represents one out of 59 books that I have minimum in heaven already. And it says it in Psalm 139, in verse 16 and 17 specifically, that God created me in my mother's womb, but he created a book about Mike Matthews. The question is, will I unfold it? Will I open the chapters in the books? And so I have this wonderful book that God gave me, but will I walk it out? But I don't get in debates on Facebook. I don't even have friends out there who want to debate me. And so when people, I see comments like, I'm going to get off Facebook. I'm hearing too much of this. I said, well, maybe you're hanging around the wrong friends or you got it backwards. You're trying to have people influence you instead of you influence people. You know, that we are called to influence. So when I read something I disagree with, I don't want to get any debate. I want to pray for it. I know that prayer matters. I know that my God is greater than anything in the world. And I know that him through me is phenomenally successful. Now, that means that I don't have to fear that which mankind is designing or concocting or manipulating, because last time I checked, I went in every category. Now, it's not because of me. It's because the wisdom that comes from above Every good and perfect gift, including talent, wisdom, knowledge, comes from the Father of lights. And right. so I'm going to be a beacon of light on Facebook, on Twitter, and in my world. Now, artificial intelligence, I'm already dominating in that space. Why? Because shame on Christians for letting the world develop stuff when we can develop far better. All because you of know, our primitive fear. A couple things. One... You're right. We, we already have victory. 
God wins. End of story. And in my own life, I am. I often fight my spiritual battles or my worldly battles not from a place of victory, but from a place of of just each battle day by day trying to have victory. When in reality, God has already given us the victory. So I really like how you brought up that point. Um, I guess my next question in terms of technology, because now we're seeing microchips implanted into people and how eventually, like there's even technology chips that are being implanted in people that are linked with digital cryptocurrencies. Now I'm thinking revelation here, buy, sell, trade, mark of the beast moment. What's the jumping off point? Because eventually when we go to a one world global currency, that's more than likely digital. And it's, uh, I'm, I mean, there's a lot of debates on it, but from my, from my system of belief that I'm, I'm looking at, I just see it more of a chip implant uh, than anything at this point. So how do we, what's the jumping off point? When does it become too much? How do we like, all right, nope, this is, we can do this, but we can't do this. Like, how do we fight that battle? Sure. And, and, and I, I fight it myself. You know, it should be noted too, even though I work in technology, I dislike technology. But at the same time, I have to hear the voice of God and know what is acceptable, and what's not acceptable. Now, that's a personal choice. And so here's a good example, Evan. You know, all these people are debating somebody, I think in Kentucky, who's been having dreams about last day events and other things. And I'm okay with that. However, I know my Bible well enough to know that in the last days, everyone, his spirit will be put upon everyone, and they'll all have dreams and visions. So I don't want to disclude myself from that. So I know that I'm going to have my own dreams and visions that help me. And so God speaks. In fact, in Job, I mean, think of how many thousands of years ago the book of Job was written. And it says in chapter 33, verse 14 through 19, it says, And the Lord whispers in a person's ear in the evening hours while they're sleeping, not just once, not just twice, but numerous times to keep them on the right track. And so if I'm going to church and I never hear a mention about dreams, I may not go to that church anymore. It'd be like going to a restaurant that doesn't feed you. Uh, Why would I go back? And so as I'm hearing dreams, I'm processing them not according to what my pastor thinks or other people think, but according to what I hear in Scripture, and I'm in perfect alignment with those. In fact, there's a funny story just this weekend. A a lady, I believe they're from Canada, they had a dream 20 years ago on lottery tickets. And that that 20-year-old dream on those same numbers came true. Now, what does that mean? It just means she played the lotto for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. She wasted a lot of money, but now I, I forgot if it was 80 million or it's a big number, 20 to 80 million bucks, right? But nonetheless, I think God is prompting people, hey, stop living in fear. If you keep listening to everybody's fear, because here's the truth. There's 2,000 predictions of the end time events and how it will happen. So the chances of mine being exactly right is pretty slim. Now, the good news, I'm not going to be offended if my belief system is uh, damaged a little bit because I accepted the one who wins it all. And how he comes back or what he decides to do is his, his choice. But I better hear uh, God's people hear his so, voice and no other will they follow, including the so technology. That leads, yep. Well, that that's exactly right. You know, so the discernment that I'm trying to use 
logically and theologically is that it looks like a chip. But here I am, I have a Apple watch on my wrist, which is yeah. a chip on my wrist, you know? So I think this is primitive still, but you know, if it's one step closer to an implant, I'm like, no, you know, I can't, I can't take that. So how do we discern the direction that technology is going and when we like, no, this is, this is my jumping off point. Yeah. No, Evan, you know, I've authored a few books and one of my books that I, I, I really felt was from God. It was called heaven 3.0. And the reason was I, I got so frustrated with people worried about technology and talking about web 1.0, 2.0, wristwatch, cell phone, generation one, two, three, four. I said, wait a minute. Why can't we give the kingdom of God more credit? Surely we don't all believe what we believed in Sunday school 30, 40 years ago. Surely we went from glory to glory to glory. Surely we've read the scriptures and understand it more. Surely we're not that primitive, but unfortunately we are. Why? Because religion lies. Religion hides truth behind their pattern or dogma of belief. And so I'm hard pressed to find anything in scripture that talks about this microchip. Um, But if I listen to the wrong people, I can also extrapolate that it's going to be a microchip. Um, if I listen to enough people, I can understand a cashless society. And I'm saying they're making this stuff up. Now, ironically, I've got two Bible degrees, uh, a bachelor's degree and another degree in, in biblical studies. And I'm, I'm appalled at how much bad doctrine is out there and how much falsity that the enemy has put in people's minds that isn't even in scripture. But because they watched a Left Behind series or read the book, which is fictional, by the way, they start building these imaginations. And that's why the Bible says, guard your heart. Now, I've never read the book. I've never been to the movie. And I don't watch a lot of those kind of movies because they state they're fictional. I don't want fiction. I want the truth because the truth will set you free. Fiction will build imaginations. And so, I'm, I'm shocked. If you remember the author, Frank Peretti, had all kinds of wonderful books, but they were fiction. And how many people were led down a path of fiction versus the truth, which is in. So a lot of these fears and phobias aren't even in scripture. And I, I'm like, how do, where do they come up with this? Oh, that's the Bible Belt people again that are all fearfully wondering how the Left Behind series is going to play out in their life. And so I've watched, I mean, again, for everybody's knowledge, I'm 59 years old. I've seen a lot. I've been saved since the age of 30. And so I've watched a quarter of a decade or quarter of a century now, how all these fears and phobia have not come to pass, right? Just like the elections recently. And I'm saying, oh my goodness, we are not looking too bright in front of the rest of the world. Why? Because we've come up with all these fables that are not in scripture, and so when I read scripture in its purest form, and it says blatantly, clearly, that everything is controlled by God, even leadership are, is put in place by God, not me. That, but that takes me opportunity to let go. Now, here's an interesting tidbit. Now, I do a lot of studying outside of technology and, and, and science and so forth, is that God put inside each of us something called the amygdala. And it's behind your ear. I believe it's your right ear. And a famous author, Seth Gooden, uh, you can read Gooden is spelled G-O-D-I-N, has documented, he called it the lizard brain. And it's the size of an almond. It looks just like that. But it's the thing when you hear bad news that decides that you're going to fight or run or panic. Now, 
Why would God put that in our ear when he perfectly made us? Why would he put that behind our ear? He did it. He created us perfectly. I believe that if you match out scripture, it's because it requires faith. If that amygdala kicks in, I can't rule over it without faith. And that's why Jesus wondered, when I return, when the end times come, will there be any faith on the earth? Be a lot of fear. Even to the very elect might lose their salvation because of this fear. And so God created us perfectly so that we can abide by his laws and his design of who we are. We're perfectly and wonderfully made in our mother's womb. But religion keeps pointing their finger saying you're not. And therefore, I build phobias and fears and uh, panacea because of what isn't true. It says the truth will set you free, not lies. The Pharisees and Sadducees, as they exchanged Barabbas, the murderer, for Jesus on the cross, thought they were doing the right thing. They were good religious people. And there's a whole lot of good religious Bible Belt people who live in fear every day. Uh, Now, I'll go one step further, Evan, if it helps. I've watched through the years, and wisdom comes with years, and praying. I don't carry a gun, nor do I want to own a gun. Uh, if I hunted, I used to hunt when I'm a younger man. I'd have a gun, but I wouldn't have it to protect myself. Why? Because everyone I see try to protect themselves with a gun ends up going through a court battle for years, defending their decision to shoot somebody. And I'm like, wait a minute. If it's my time to die, I'm going to die. Just like the Apostle Paul. I don't think Apostle Paul was a gunslinger. Um, I think he believed that God could protect him. He was beat up in certain cities and towns and thrown over the cliff wall of the city. And yet somehow, especially in the Midwest, we want to carry a gun to protect ourselves. And as I said, well, that's pretty far from scripture. Um, But it's my First Amendment right, Second Amendment right. Big deal. It still doesn't make it scripture. It makes it my opinion. So So let let me ask you this then. What... What do you think God's agenda is behind artificial intelligence? You know, uh, Evan, I I don't know the exact answer, but one day I was in Chicago looking at all the skyscrapers, and the Lord spoke to me and said, Mike, I'm not opposed to people building things until they do it for the wrong reason, evil reasons. And then he puts a stop to it. Now, he's got that capability, the Tower of Babel. It was being built for selfish gain, and he stopped it. And so that gives me assurance that I can't stop it. I mean, think of how foolish this would be. I'm going to stop all of AI, smartphones, all the technology because I believe they're evil and say, I have no faith in God. I'm God myself. And my God stops anything he chooses to. And so if you recall 20 years ago, there was this sheep that they created an artificial intelligence to make life and prove that they can start creating humanity. 20 years later, it didn't happen. Oh, what a fearful life people lived. I don't think God allowed it to happen because he cannot be replicated. What he created in human mankind cannot be replicated. Science still has not figured out how to create a tree, a fearfully and wonderfully made person, let alone a tree. They can't do it. And so I think God keeps science at bay and all these fears of what the news, maybe a little fake news in there, maybe a little paranoia in there. Just a little bit. But nonetheless, my assurance is that God will stop anything that he feels is wrong. And therefore, I don't have to live and carry it on my shoulders. Same with the government. He carries it upon his shoulders, not my shoulders. Thank goodness, because I don't have to be worn out, tired out by what happened or what I think should have happened. 
right? That goes back to even the whole scripture, take on my yoke for my burden is light. And so many times we are trying to put on the yoke of who won the election, the finances, the health, the current global system, when in reality, none of that was the yoke that we were supposed to carry. So let me ask you this. How does technology moving forward interact with our faith and spirituality and how will, how will it affect it both positively and negatively? You know, I, I think possibly first, you should know the truth and the truth will set you free. I could bring you here to Or Roberts and show you some artificial intelligence that gives you 100% accurate truth. Why? Because it's pulling it out of scripture. I, I can't go to Bible study and hear from a teacher and, and be assured it's accurate. So picture this. Every day in America, 115 people die of opioid overdose. 115, does anybody care? No, because we just keep peddling the drugs, but they're all legal. 50% of those deaths every day are caused by physicians in the medical practice. Wow, there's something not right with this whole pharmaceutical business, which by the way, in the book of Revelation, pharmacy means sorcery. And so the word sorcery is pretty detrimental because people who practice such find out that life is not that good. So we now can take artificial intelligence and help people overcome substance abuse. That's a pretty good cause. Why? Their brain has been wired to believe that alcohol or drugs or meth has become a what? A recreational vehicle to escape the reality of life. I believe when people get saved, they don't need recreational drugs or vacations like we plan them and plot them. We need to exercise wisdom in everything God's made available to help tell the truth. And so there's an there's a entity out of the United Kingdom that developed artificial intelligence to help uh, Hindus. And it takes the 100 questions that a Hindu would have and correlates it to the Bible. Within 30 days, 90-some people were converted to accept Jesus. All of artificial intelligence. Why? It was a shorter pathway in the long-winded story that Mike Matthews tells everybody about how to be saved. And my experience isn't their experience. And so back in the year 2007, Evan, my wife and I wrote a book called And God Chose Dreams for the Last Days. The very day it's released in America, there was an article in the Tehran, Iran Times, and it says millions of Muslims come into Jesus through dreams. And I just cried. I said, Lord, why, why did you let me know about these dreams? I can't go to a church today and hear anything about dreams. But here people are being saved by the millions. And God says, well, Mike, I've given the church opportunity to go places, and they still have opportunity, but time is running short. I wanted to send my vision to the world. And somebody who receives a dream can see the vividness of who Jesus is. Now, I said, that's God in control. I don't have to put it upon my shoulders, but I'm still going to do my part to help explain. I'm an ambassador of the living God. Now, that being said, I think that's all the positive. The negative is that Christians sit back with their thumb in their appropriate orifice and do nothing. Right? Oh, your ears. I was thinking, okay. I was thinking yeah, yeah, something else. And, and let the world run crazy, but then start whining that the world has taken control of everything. I said, yeah, yeah come on now. That, you know, if you go back in Christian history— you'll find that the wisest people were the people such as Aristotle or Augustine, but they were 
they were well versed in society as well as scripture. And that blends the two together instead of just trying to take a stance on something. And I, I love this quote. People will remember this if I say it. A lot of Christians use their Bible like a drunk person uses a light post to hold up their stance instead of illuminate the way. Scripture is given to illuminate the way in all things, not fables or fiction books or my extrapolation of how the end times will actually come. But if I'll pay attention to the truth, I'll find that God positions me in places. So I've been privileged, Evan, to be at the United Nations and reading Oral Roberts' vision statement. It's now on UN Archive TV. I, I felt blessed. But everybody else is afraid of the United Nations, what they stand for. I've been to China and spoke at the government twice, and they tried to hide from me. I can't use the word heart, human heart there. So I came up with a different device the next year they invited me back. And I, for people tuning in on Mike Matthews, take as much as you want, because it's all good stuff from God. I don't have these things to hide to you from you or to anybody else. And so if you pick up my phone, you're going to hear some gospel being preached. You hear the, a podcast like this, you're going to hear some preaching going on. And that's good. I hope it gets stolen, taken everywhere. I don't care if Facebook takes my stuff because I have 490 pages of good stuff. I'm not out there blasting people. I think, you know, going along with kind of our overall topic, I think there's a healthy realization that artificial intelligence can either be beneficial in our lives or it can take away our freedom as well. And I'm not just talking about the way that Facebook and YouTube and Twitter started deciding to censor people. I'm talking about, I mean, that happens, but then also that there's this addiction to technology. There's this addiction to constantly looking at my phone every time a ping comes. I can't put it down. I can't be present in the moments. So how do we as individuals allow technology to, to help us in our lives versus allowing it to become a distraction and a burden and a take away from us living life? Great question, Evan. You know, and I believe it's this. It's the same kind of control or discipline, self-discipline that I would develop over eating too much or not exercising or not working for a living. And therefore, I, I break the rules of good etiquette in relationship building. So your wife, my wife, your spouse, husband, you've all been irritated with each other being on the smartphone too much, right? It's just given. 100% all the time. Exactly. And so uh, my wife and I, early in my career, had a, a, a serious conversation because she said, Mike, it wasn't, it wasn't artificial intelligence, it wasn't smartphone. She said, you're on your laptop too much. And I said, Pam, I agree wholeheartedly. Now, if you want to harp at me all the time, that's okay. However, if you want to pray with me and help me find the balance, I would be more appreciative. And, and she did. And so my job required a lot of time on a laptop creating things and so forth that wouldn't be normal for other people. Now, she helped find that balance, but for each person that's individual, and that's why you pray to God. You ever find it interesting that God didn't put a lot in scripture about how to raise children? or how to treat your spouse other than to respect them and to honor them and love them. It's because everyone's an individual and religious people want to formalize everything. They want to formalize, how do I have a right marriage? And so my wife and I have been married for 33 years and we were opposed to the first time we heard the word intimacy night, date night. And I said, that's, oh, go on. That's just some, 
uh, hogwash, excuse my language. My relationship with my wife or hers with me has nothing to do with our date night. It has everything to do with how I'll honor God in our marriage. It has everything to do with me reading scripture every morning and my wife reading scripture every morning as well. And so religion by its just trying to get people behaving a certain way will actually create a problem more than to solve a problem. An example would be this. You've heard the term or the, the stats, Evan. Why is there more divorce in the church than outside of the church? Have you heard that st- statistic? Yeah, and I, I got several answers why that is. So one. Good. Yeah, so, so here's my logic. One, we are just as susceptible to divorce as people who are outside the church because we're human. So whether it's church-related or not doesn't really matter. It's how we respect one another. But two, in modern society, less people are getting married and just cohabitating together. And so we're probably actually going to start seeing more divorce in the church compared to the world. Yep, that's good. Now, I believe it's something different because it didn't happen until about 15 years ago is that we started putting idols before God himself called marriage. If my marriage and the interest in my marriage is greater than God himself, I've got an idol in my life. Never thought of it that way before. And so you can send me to as many marital classes as you want to. If I've got a idol that my marriage is more important than God, I'm breaking the commandments, right? Mm-hmm. And so as humans try to solutionize everything, we often overlook what scripture says. And so let's take it. What the printing press, you know how many people got killed over the printing press? Millions of people. Now it was a technology. Now let's go back on history and find out was the printing press an evil thing that caused millions to die? Because one religion didn't think everybody should have access to a Bible and read it. Wow. Pretty interesting. Now, I can't answer, but I can go back in history and find out all the fears of previous technologies such as tractors, cars, uh, synthetic material, and start saying, wow, where does it stop? And so to look at one technology, it could be artificial intelligence, it could be virtual reality, it could be the next uh, 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 physical wristwatch that may be partially implanted. And I don't think history bears out that it's evil. I think history bears out that God will stop that which people try and do. So you can go from Tower of Babel, you can go to Sodom and Gomorrah. You can go into our modern day and see that God shuts down things, but he starts up things as well or allows them to be started up. And and so I think there's a safeguard for everyone listening. God's going to shut down artificial intelligence if it's evil. Now, artificial intelligence has been in development since the 1940s, and he hasn't shut it down yet. Um, maybe an indicator there. But also a nice notice to a person like myself to say, hey, Mike, why don't you decide to lead artificial intelligence on behalf of the uh, religious world? And the Vatican, by the way, has done a wonderful job doing that in, in many different ways. And so, again, I'm not for or against uh, many things. I'm always for God. And if I keep that in mind, I won't get wrapped up into different things. And so when you think of the power of what you believed and heard from your buddies or friends 
And I used to be one of them. I used to not be saved. And I used to badmouth my wife all the time. I used to say things I should have never said before. Why? Because I was prone to believe what those people, other people thought was correct. And I was party to it. But I started realizing whatever my eyes set themselves to see and do will start producing the very thing that God has called me to do. And so God has created us wonderfully to start believing things. So when, when Jacob started breeding spotted sheep, never been heard of in the world before, but he did it by just simply pilling a poplar branch and putting it in front of the sheep. It's proof that whatever you put in front of your eyes will produce your offspring, will produce your mm. belief system, will believe, believe what groups you want to hang out in, in uh, bad mouth as well, possibly. Hopefully that's helpful, Evan. It is. So let, let me ask you this then. What are some of the things that you see artificial intelligence doing in the near future? Sorry about that. So where artificial intelligence comes in, this will be very important for people. I'm holding up in front of me a little stick, okay? No power to it at all. It's got aluminum foil around both ends. But what's inside of this stick here is actually some LEDs that will light up off frequency that is in the air, okay? So my human heart has a frequency between 4.7 hertz and 7 hertz. It varies a little bit. Now, I'm going to measure that for you. So I'm going to put my hand here. And you're seeing the frequency from my human heart. It goes out about two and a half meters from my body. I was in China and I, I connected 100 people to prove a point that we're all connected around the world through the human heart. But his name is Jesus. Now, I'm connected to the human heart because my human heart gives off of a, a frequency. And it's the same frequency as earth, ground, and trees. Hmm, God created both, all three. So that frequency allows me to find out a lot of different things. So there's been enough study for 20 years now to say, if Evan goes home tonight and shares with his wife that he met this crazy guy named Mike, and he did some strange things on this podcast, and she rolls her eyes, the frequency of her heart sounds exactly like this. Like sort of scraping on a, a chalkboard. Now, if you go home and say, wow, I learned this phenomenal thing today, honey, and she starts jumping for joy with you, the sound of her heart goes like this. Yay, yay. So our human hearts are measured by God. The Bible says, Old Testament, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth to behold himself strong amongst those who perfect their heart towards him, not those who are whining and complaining. Now, that being said, it starts explaining what we read in scripture, why Abraham and Sarah both laughed at having a child in older age, but one was accepted and one wasn't. Why? It was the frequency of the heart. Same with Cain and Abel. Why, did, why was one's offering accepted and the other? It was the frequency of the heart. You see, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. And so I've got this $6 piece of technology to help thousands of people in the last year and a half understand that what they think and how they act and how they roll their eyes or not will have an impact. How many of you listening have had people roll their eyes at you? And they feel a little insulted. But what their heart is saying is, I'm in disagreement with you. And their heart is making a noise that God can hear. But it's why the Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, there I'm in the midst of them because he hears that frequency of agreement between those three. Now, where's it going in the future? That's your question. If I can do that with a $4 or $6, it ranges in price, um, and show people their human heart, imagine what I could do 
with a little bit of truth programmed into artificial intelligence. In fact, we did exactly that. I can bring up artificial intelligence on my smartphone and say, Alexa, launch gift whispers. And it's my skill. Everyone around the world till Jesus comes back has to hear a scripture passage of truth and then hear these words from Mike and Pam Matthews, the gift whispers. We believe in whispering in people's ears like God does. COVID's made it a little bit more difficult, of course. But then I took it further and said, what if all these places that really believe in spiritual gifts, not just talent, we're all talented in one way or another, but how many people receive a spiritual gift? So I programmed that in artificial intelligence to show people that my spiritual gift matters. That's where I see it going, but only if Christians are involved. If I do nothing with artificial intelligence, you don't hear about this stuff. You hear about all the pornographers leveraging it to track you on the internet. You hear about real estate agents manipulating the homes they're going to show you in the, the bad one first so that you, or the good one first so that you buy the next one, whatever the methodology. So there's no doubt. All the people with I don't the know about that methodology part. as a real estate agent myself. I just I just go based off of the convenience of the order. There you go. You're a <laughs> drive time. real estate agent, right? Uh, so, but people interested in selling things will have a tendency to be tempted by manipulation and will use technology to do so. Now, I'm not going to stop that, but however, I can do something good with artificial intelligence. So, uh, I've got about four articles, Evan, that you, if you look up my name, Mike, Michael Matthews, 1T and Matthews, you'll find numerous publications I have on artificial intelligence that try and describe to people, hey, focus on faith, hope, and love. So back to my example, how I see it being used in the future, and there's a nice uh, article coming out shortly, is that if my wife and I can take care of all the mundane things and be reminded, I can focus on the heart matters. I can spend more time with my wife, not because I got a, a pre-programmed intimacy night the third Monday night of every month, but because that's my desire of my heart. And suddenly, divorce rate drops. Why? Because I'm no longer plagued with the burden of remembering every detail of my kids, my family, my grandkids, my job, uh, what's happening at the school board meeting, or just inundated yeah. with too much information. Let me ask and, you this because – oh, sorry. Uh, go ahead if you weren't finished. Yeah, so if you see Amazon just put out a commercial I, – I saw it this weekend. It may have been out a week or two ago. But a two-hour promise of getting your groceries to your front door. Mm -hmm. I believe that's going to help a lot of people, to be honest. Why? Because it cuts out that much that you're spending going to the grocery store, getting through and getting home with it. But it's going to measure what you have been uh, uh, diminishing of, milk, bread, whatever the case may be. That's pretty cool, I think. Now, I'm you not know, afraid of that. That's, you're, you, I, that's something I've been very thankful for is – Instacart, like delivery or pickup, because one, I don't have to take my children into a store. That's very challenging, number one. Two, I spend more money when I shop in person versus just create a item list and send and someone else goes gets it. Because I'm like, oh, that sounds fun. I'll just throw this in here. So I, I actually save more money shopping online that way. Uh, but to go back to, there's two questions that I have. Uh, that you've brought up. One, you talked about, you know, scheduling intimacy uh, and stuff like that. It's really ironic you say that because my wife and I were just talking about, hey, you know what? Let's start scheduling date nights. Let's start scheduling times to be intimate. Um, and for this year, you know, every year we choose a word or I've chosen a word 
let me phrase that. God has given me a word for that year to focus on that he wants to develop in me. And this year I felt like the word was intimacy and not just intimacy with my wife, but specifically intimacy with God. Uh, But I also believe that that translates to my wife as well. You know, we have a good marriage, but I want it to be better. And one of the things that we just really don't do is we don't do dates. And that would be something important to her and spending quality time. And the way I'm looking at it is because it's not on the calendar, it doesn't exist. And so I'm using my Google calendars as a way to like, hey, you know what? This is a time and a place where we can get away from our kids and look forward to spending time with one another versus, hey, let's let's try to do something tomorrow. What do you want to do? I don't know. It helps us to plan it so we can be intentional about it. So that's I don't I don't know because I, I know you said, you know, scheduling is not not something, but at the same time, I'm I'm kind of almost debating that point because I feel like it will help me to be more intentional by planning it. Well, absolutely. Now interesting, don't you love it when God's spontaneous with you? And you receive something that it didn't come on Sunday morning because you're planning to go get something. And suddenly you're moved in your spirit in a unique way. I believe that happens in relationships all the time. It happens in our marriages. When I'm spontaneous with my wife and she's spontaneous with me, whether I purchased her something unexpected, took her out unexpected, same thing. That has power. Now, that doesn't negate the fact that, hey, plan all you want. Go and enjoy it. You're young. Uh, you know, we've been through that. We know, okay, the more we try and manufacture something, the more we get disappointed. It's the same theory. And I mean, I can go into all kinds of uh, psychological things to explain why it happens, but it's the same thing. Plan a vacation for a year and you built up the imagination so much in your mind that the vacation is a letdown. Mm-hmm. All planned out perfectly uh, and so forth. So sometimes, now I would say, Here's what you'll experience. I'm not, not a prophet. I'm just telling you the, the logic of life is you're going to do 10 of those nights and they're going to feel good. You're going to feel exactly what estimated, but eventually it becomes routine. And now you say, okay, that fed something, but now we're off to bigger things. Now, the reason that happens is because God says that Mike and Pam Matthews get to go from glory to glory to glory. What used to be our top level glory back here can no longer suffice for this if we're progressing. And so I think a lot of times religion doesn't leave room for progression mm. because it's a caged in mentality. Um, how do I go and serve something and somebody? And that feeds you for a while, but eventually God says, I've called you to bigger things and that's okay. Um, so enough said there. People, people you know, take that to heart. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying and I, I, I feel like I'm drinking through a fire hydrant right now because one in terms of my wife and I, we are, I I still think we're going to schedule date night because we just, we haven't been intentional about going on dates. And so I think I want to be intentional about that. But then two also in my heart plan for, or not plan, but be open to random moments of, of intimacy, like you were talking about how God does, you know, cause that's something that's also I've noticed is important to her. So it, it's, it, it's a not and, or, but maybe both, 
for us and then we'll see how that works out. But specifically, you were talking about going from glory to glory and using intimacy as, as an example. You don't know this, but the spirit of God does, which is probably why you said it. I've currently been studying what it means to go from glory to glory, because I believe that God is wanting to do something in this nation that, that shows people his glory. And he's told me that he wants people to go from glory to glory. And so everything that you're saying is I believe ripe for people in season, but very deliberate and very specific to what God is telling me, which reconfirms to me, like Evan, you're hearing my voice. And so mm-hmm. thank you for, for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, you're getting a witness. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, well, if, I like, Evan, if I, go ahead. If, yeah, if I could say one thing that my wife and I, now keep in mind, we're speaking from experience. We, we were far from perfect, right? But we, we started realizing maybe 15 years ago that the, we wanted to exchange the word love for commitment. And we did because we started seeing too many bumper stickers. I love my Labrador. I love my dog. I love my first, my honor roll student kid or whatever. And love just became vanilla. So when you think of the word intimacy, you probably know this, but many people may not. It means into me, you see. See. And, yeah. and so. I get to see inside my wife daily, not because we're intimate as the world would know intimacy, but because of she knows my spirit and I know her spirit. We get to see inside of each other. And you could give us a thousand questions and we'll answer them identical because we see inside of each other that clearly. Now, that's helped us in an incredible way. So we started saying things like, Mike is so committed to his marriage that he will not look upon another woman in lust. Job said it differently in the book of Job. Now, Mike is so committed to his family, he's going to help with his grandkids financially. Mike is so committed to his spouse that he's going to go to work every day. But then we carried it one step further. And so I guess we could go into John 3.16 and start help define for people and say, God was so committed to the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God is that committed to his people. Now, Commitment meant a whole nother game for Pam and I. And that's what's carried our marriage 34 years this year. Commitment. Um, yeah. All this opposites attract and all these romantic things like, oh, my goodness, mm-hmm. who came up with this stuff? There was uh, early in my marriage. We, it was, early marriage was rough for us. And, you know, there's that question that gets us. Well, why do you love me even? You know, and. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so terrible. <laughs> like sometimes I was like, I don't know why, you know, but I, I actually started answering that question with, because I choose to, um, which, which didn't get the best response either at that time. <laughs> but I've yep. learned that love is a choice, not a feeling as well. And the more I based my marriage off of my feelings and emotions, the worse it got. And so you know, when my wife and I both realized that it got significantly better, uh, also with more trials and things that brought us together. Like I like to end each show with the same three questions. And so here we go. You ready? Yep. I'm set. What is the best decision you've ever made outside of God and Jesus and your wife? The best decision I've ever made was to believe that God's word that says the steps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord. 
has alleviated all stress, not all, but a lot of it, and concern that I can be assured that I went to a certain college, I went to a certain place, all because God ordained it. And that shows him credit. It gives him the glory, not my decision-making capabilities. And so I think that number one decision is just, Mike, let go and trust God. Treat him as God. If you can't trust your God, it's time to get a different God. That's pretty harsh for people to hear, but it's true. If you can't trust your God, it's time for you to get a different God. I trust my God, not politics, not my state, not who's in uh, political power, who's the best football team. That's all fickle. And that's the best decision. Gotcha. So here's the second one. And this one might be harder for you because you're very positive and you, your mind is set pretty straight. A lot of people struggle with negative self-talk. Currently in your life, what would be the number one lie that you tell yourself or that you struggle with? The assurance of uh, my grandkids being who I've prayed they could be, right? And so I would say it's really the, the, the inkling of just a thought for a second, I've got to take a captive like the Bible says, is that the promises of God may not come true, okay? That's there. But at the mm-hmm. same time, it, it gets offset by that faith, right? Fear, faith, fear, faith. The opposite of fear is faith. The opposite of faith is fear. So that would be it. Okay. And then the last one, and you can answer this one however you want. What brings you peace? Um, you know, the greatest peace that I get is at night. Um, laying in bed, knowing I have nothing to cover up, nothing to hide, um, that it's all exposed. It's exposed by God himself. He'll show me when I get to the throne room. I can't go to the throne room where this is all wrapped up, said and done in life and say, it was my pastor's fault. It was my wife's fault. It was my boss's fault. It's unacceptable. And so I would say years ago, accepting personal responsibility gave me peace. At first, I didn't know it. But as time goes by, you just say, I can rest at night and be assured. So people say, Mike, did you sleep good last night? Tough problem. Absolutely. I I can go anywhere in the world and sleep well at night. And it's all because the peace that God gives that surpasses my logical understanding. And that's I told you about the Facebook post, 490 pages. It's an impossibility that I could have 490 pages without any negative debates or political statements. That comes from above. That's peace. Mm, I'm writing that down. All righty. Well, Mike, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Before we end, I want people to be able to find you wherever you're at. Tell people how you would like them to connect with you if they want more information. Sure. And so again, my name is Michael L. Matthews on Facebook. Uh, That was what was available, but Matthews with one T. Everybody teases me, Mike, I know exactly what you're up to on Facebook. You see, I see Facebook as the evangelistic tool of history that will unfold itself. I don't see it as a threat. I could care less if they take my uh, witness and do something with it. Uh, It's my witness all because of what God did in and through my life. And so Facebook's the best way to keep up to date on myself. But if you Google, you'll see hundreds and hundreds of articles published around technology, artificial intelligence, marriage. Uh, But again, 1T and Matthews, M-A-T-H-E-W-S. So Google me and you'll come up with Uh, I'm not exaggerating, probably 300,000 pages. Why? Because I'm an ambassador of Christ. I'm telling the world about the great things 
that he has done in and through my life, our marriage, and what we do at work. Hey, Evan, thank you so much for the opportunity. You bet. Now, you have a gift of whispering God's words into people's ears. Would you end us with a whisper into what you believe God is telling our listeners? Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you that in your word, you said that you don't speak always with a thunder, always with a noise, but you whisper in the stillness of the night at times, but in our ear that we might hear. And thus in Revelation, you say seven times, he or she that hath an ear to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is speaking. Right now, I believe the Spirit is speaking to everyone. Look inside, see me. When I pounded at your heart's door, I came inside of you and you dined with me and I dined with you. I sent the helper, the Holy Spirit, to be inside of you, to rest upon you. Leverage them. Lord, we thank you that the kingdom of God is within us, not outside. We're not always externally seeking. We're actually letting you arise and your enemies be scattered. For everyone out there who feels their enemies are against them, you say, let it go. They're my enemies, not yours. It's my armor, not yours. Lord, it's amazing that every person listening could actually start seeing inside them the beauty that you created from their birth, not how their hair, teeth, and clothes look. Who cares? But inside each of us, you created a beauty. You created something so unique for every individual. May they see that. May they hear the whisper of you saying, yes, I dance over you. I sing over you, just as I documented in Zephaniah 3.17. Lord, we give you the praise now that you're inverting the concerns of humanity and saying, let him go and let me be God. We give you praise now for your promises are yes and amen. Thank you. Evan, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. You, know, you too. Yeah. Blessings. Bye. When I started this podcast, it was important for me to lead by example, that I wouldn't hide behind a fake mask acting like I've arrived and speaking from the mountaintop. My whole purpose was to be vulnerable about where I was, my failures, my struggles, and my successes, so that I could be a bridge, that I could be a gap in this process of showing people how to change in the areas of faith, family, finances, friendship, fitness, and fun, because that's exactly where I'm at and what I'm doing. And I had a coach years ago, and he was the first coach I've ever had And he did it for a very affordable rate because I couldn't afford anything more than what he offered me. But he told me this, Evan, someday you're going to get in a spot where you're going to be able to give back to others. And I want you to remember what I'm doing for you here and now, that it's made affordable so that you can actually go through it. He goes, I believe in you and I trust that you'll do this. And so because of that, it resonated within me that at a certain point when I felt I've had enough hard knocks that I had something to offer other people, I would start a coaching program. And this is that. I am now starting a coaching program and I'm gonna make it affordable because by the graces of someone else that helped me out when I was first starting my journey, I wanted to do the same for other people. So I'm gonna offer a free 15 minute coaching phone call to anyone that wants it. You can go to the website, thewholepersonpodcast.com and sign up for that free coaching phone call. And if you're looking to have a longer extended coaching relationship outside of that first 15 minute phone call, I have the prices right up front. I'm open about it. And I'd be more than happy to see if we'd work well with one another and can help you reach and achieve the goals that you have in life. 
Guys, thank you so much. I hope you enjoy the show.